Good morning. Hope you guys are doing great. Uh, just really quick, last night we had, I think, 70 guys at the church property for our men's barbecue with axe throwing. <clears throat> that's, that's manly, is it not? We had axe throwing, we had burgers and brats, and we had a great team, and we had a great time. And uh, just, it was a great, great time. To, um, Todd Grunwald is the champion. Where is he? I don't see it. Right there he is. He's the champion. And so, he's the champion. Um, he, he had the high score of, uh, of 25. Um, that is unbelievable. Uh, I had a three. I had a six. And then I think I got up to an eight. So, um, I think Craig Ballinger with a 15. Dan Crystal with a 19. We had some really good scores uh, but Todd took, I mean, yeah, I think he's sandbagging and I think he has, he's a professional and he's under disguise and no, he's been acting before. It was a great time. It was a great time by, had by all and great food, great connections. And so thanks for praying for us. Thanks guys for coming out. And uh, again, great time. So, um, <clears throat> May, 2018, got on a plane with my family of six going to New York city. Okay, here's the deal. Taking the whole family to New York City, we're going to see the Red Sox play the Yankees in New York City because I'm a Red Sox fan and don't like New York. And so the other people in the family, my brother-in-law, he was meeting us there. They're coming from Charlotte. We're coming from RDU. All the kids, we're not checking bags, guys. We're going to bring our own bags. We're going to carry the overhead thing. Keep up with your own bags. That is what you got to do. You got to keep up with your own bag. Okay? And here's the deal. We get into the gate. I don't know, C4 in Raleigh. Ready to go to New York City on this Thursday morning. All right? We come down the little gate terminal thing, getting ready to get to the airport. And my third child, Luke, goes, I don't have my bag. And I'm like, you got to go get it. And so he turns around and he runs back into the terminal, grabs his bag, they close the door, we miss the plane. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's not home alone. That's Christmas. Anyway, I'm kidding. Luke comes running in with his bag and in dad fashion, I let him have it. Come on, son. Keep up with your stuff, okay? We're not checking bags. We are not going to do that. It costs too much money. I need you to keep up with your stuff. Are you with me? Yes, Dad, I'm with you. Okay, I'll give all my bag. All right. We get to New York City. We get off the plane. We all have our bags. They got the wheels on them. We're going. We're taking a lift to where we're going to stay. We call the lift. There's seven in our party because my father-in-law at that time was with us. So three people are in one car and four are in another car. And we're going down and we get our lift and ours comes and it's Andrew, my oldest, Luke, number three, and me. And we jump in the car, the lift, and we drive like 45 minutes in New York traffic and get to our hotel. We get out of our car and Luke gets out. He gets his bag. Andrew gets his bag and I can't find mine. <laughs> and I looked at Andrew and Luke and I was like, where's my bag? 
And they're like, I didn't touch your bag. And I'm like, where's my bag? Where's my suitcase? It's not in the car. I left it in New York City, in the airport. I am in New York City for three days and two nights with the exact same clothes. That's an L, as the youth would say, right? That's an L. That's a loss big time right now. That is a big L right there, okay? So I don't have my suitcase. I am in New York. I don't have anything. And Luke, I think, is walking around with his chest puffed out. It's like, I got mine, Dad. I got mine. I don't have my suitcase because I left my suitcase. And here's the deal. Here's the connection. Work with me here. Here is the deal. Jesus, through the Sermon on the Mount, is not wanting us to live without our stuff, our suitcase, so to speak. And the Sermon on the Mount is all about preparing you and preparing me for the kingdom, because we're kingdom citizens. Right now, we're just passing through. This is not our home. And we're passing through, and so what he wants to teach us and what he wants to tell us is, hey, listen, I'm going to give you everything you need to live this life. I'm gonna give you everything you need. I'm gonna provide for you. I'm gonna be present for you. I am sufficient for you. I want you to want me. I want, you need me, but I want you to want me. I am the best thing there is for you. There is no one like me that will do for you what I can do for you. In the Sermon on the Mount is telling us, hey, if you're going to live this life, if you're going to be here, then I want to give you, I want to give the Bible, Jesus, but specifically here in the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. It's like, listen, I'm getting ready to land this plane. I'm getting ready to land. And when we land in a plane, what do they say? Put your table back up. Put your seat up. Make sure your bags are stored. Well, if you have a bag. <laughs> I mean, put your bags under the seat in the right upright position. So he gives you, they give you instructions on what to do when they're landing. And so here comes the Sermon on the Mount, this really long message from Jesus, five, six, and seven. He's coming down to land. He's like, I got to tell you some really important things. It's really important as you live this life here as a citizen of heaven. And so you don't get distracted by the things of this world and want them more than you want me. So... We look at um, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to pick it up where, where we left. We left off last week in verse 11. And so now we're going to pick it up in 12, 13, and 14. And here's what I've done for us today. is what, what, I, what I've done is just break down the three verses that we're going to cover into in really two things. And, and what does Jesus provide for us here? What, what does he provide for us as we're... This sermon is coming to a landing pad right now. What, is it, what does he provide for us? The first thing I think he so shows us, I want you to know that this is the way of life. I want you to know the view of life. So here's where we're going. We're gonna break this down and, and really learn this together. But he, he tells us, hey, here's the way of life and here is the view of life. So it, I think it'll be clear um, as, we, as we go on prayerfully. 
So Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. So Matthew 7, 12 through 14. And this is what it says. You can follow along either on your device or on the screen. And here's what it says in verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So really, probably the most often quoted verses in the Bible, even for the book of Matthew, we call this the golden rule, the first, uh, the first verse here, verse 12. And so what I've, I've sort of labeled this is the way of life. The way of life. And so let's take a look at verse 12 and let's break it down just a little bit. Read it. I'll read it one more time. So whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. I think, honestly, when we read that verse, we've really got two questions. Jesus, knowing that we are selfish, <laughs> we often ask the question, well, what about me? What about me and my needs and my wants? This verse looks like and says, well, I just got to serve other people. And one of the things that we have to, we, we oftentimes ask is, well, what about me? What about my marriage? What about my life? What about my needs? What about my wants? I know we've never been there before. <laughs> and I think another question is, is, how in the world do you do this? How in the world do you sit there and live what we call the golden rule and it's like, well, whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. When he says the law of the prophets, he is actually referring back to everything that's been said in the scriptures. Like when you do this, you are doing everything that Jesus stood for. You're living that out. Well, the question we have to go is, I, I think there is one word that is absolutely critical to understanding the answer to both of those questions. So the answer to the question is the word so. It is a verse that is also can be translated as therefore or so. And anytime those words are there, you have to look back at what was said prior so anytime we look at this verse and whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them, this is the law of the prophets, the word so is unbelievably important because it refers back to verse 11. And I want to read that for you. Now, forgive me, I don't have that on the screen, but I think you can be easy enough to just look back at verse 11 on your device. The word in verse 11, it says this. Here's the key to it. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Remember that from last week? There are so many words that that, that, that text last week summarized, ask, seek, knock. And then it said, for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who knocks will find. It'll be open to him. And then we come up to that last word last week in our text, and it says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And Jesus is sitting there saying, hey, what I need you to know and what I need you to recognize is whenever we ask, our Father sits in heaven and desires and always will give us good gifts. Sometimes they're not things that we want. Sometimes, sometimes 
There are things that we don't pray for, but he gives us something even better because that's who he is and he's good. He knows exactly what we need. He knows how much of it we need. And he gives to us good gifts because he says, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I challenged you last week, not going to show my hands, to sit there as a family and write down the how much mores of God has done in your life. What has God done in your life? How much more has God shown those moments? How have you seen him show up time and time again? And so as he sits there and he says, so whatever you wish others would do, I want you to do also for them. How does this affect us? When we recognize how the King of kings and Lord of lords has served us, has washed our feet, has ransomed us, has transferred us, delivered us, and saved us, because he's done all that, then we'll be able to serve other people. When we recognize every moment of our life is a how much more moment that's given to us by the King, then what that does is it propels us and it fuses us infuels us to love others the way that Christ has loved us. I mean, the, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so here he's coming with this this golden, uh, golden rule. And he's saying, in order for you to listen to that, in order for you to obey that, in order for you to live life as in I am going to serve other people, I'm going to wash their feet, I'm going to invite them here, I'm going to share with them Christ, I'm going to do that. It is fueled by resting and meditating and memorizing that there's a God in heaven who wants to give us more gifts, much more than we could ever ask or imagine. He's good. There's great freedom in knowing and trusting that the God that we serve will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. There is great freedom in knowing that. There is great freedom and and boldness when we recognize that everything I need in this life is going to be given by him. Everything. There's great freedom. And, and so what happens is that we live in such a way that people are the mission. That people are the mission. I wonder what it would do. Listen, for instance, if you want to receive respect, then we give respect according to that verse. If we, want, if we crave affirmation, then let's give affirmation. And if we take pleasure in being served, then, then let's serve other people. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And all of this is modeled by King Jesus. It is demonstrated and is modeled. Mark 10, 45 says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. That's what he came to do. His motivation was rooted in unconditional love, And selfless love. And he's looking at his disciples and he's sitting there saying, this 
is a way of life for you. This is a way of life. I want you to live this way. Let me ask you a question. What is getting in the way in the war between others and you? What is getting in the way of a bold, a reckless abandon to serve other people? What right now is getting in the way? What right now is perhaps causing you to look at things through the lens of your wants and not others' needs? I just want us to, I want to encourage us to just continue to go back to verse 11 because that fuels everything that we're able to do as disciples who are making disciples who are living with an open, open life, open Bible, and open faith. That is what fuels when we recognize there's a God in heaven with his arms stretched open and saying, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And he's saying this, saying, I am going to take care of you. I am taking care of you. I will take care of you. And when that does, it's fueled to how we serve other people. You might sit there and say, well, Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really like people. <laughs> or Matt, you might even say, Matt, I'm, uh, I, um, I, I don't know that I could love this person that way because of what they've done to me. You're, you're, you're what, what's, what the scripture is talking about, but I just need you to know you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've hurt, how they've hurt me. And to answer your question, you're exactly right, I don't. And I'm not trying to diminish the hurt that's been brought by people in general or specifically. I don't know what they've done to you, but I do know what Jesus has done for you. And the scripture is very clear what he has done for us, that he has loved us. He has lavished, Ephesians 1, 7 says, he has lavished his love on us. And then therefore we have a response according to the golden rule to get out there and love like that. Love like that. So I, I wonder what would take place if you could just dream with me for a minute. What would take place if we recognized and we, we, we realized everything that, that um, Matthew 11 is saying, Matthew 7, 11 is saying, that you're going to recognize there's a God in heaven who's going to give you much more. How much more does your Father desire to give you good gifts to those who ask? When we see that and we live that, I wonder how much bigger our prayers are going to be, how how much bolder or more brave they would be. I wonder what it would look like to our ability to share our faith when we spend time recognizing that and seeing that and are captivated by that. I wonder what it would do to the mission. You just heard 
that Jesus is moving all across the world. Like, he's moving in the world. And guess what? He's not stopped. And he's not done. And sometimes we can get negative and overwhelmed and, and, and be discouraged. And I certainly get that. But you see pictures of the Pocot people. I wonder what happens if we were to live, we were to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow him to just fuel us with this unconditional, uncompromising love that he has for us. And then he releases us to love that same way. And we esteem others better than ourselves. And we live out this. So verse 12 shows us the way of life. Verse 12 shows us the way of life. And then the next two verses, I believe what it shows us is a view of life. I'm going to read these verses and then we'll talk about views and philosophy. I think, again, Jesus is coming down and he's landing this plane and he's taking the, the sermon and, and, and uh, the Sermon on the Mount and he's getting ready to finish that. In verse 13, it says, enter by the narrow gate. He just comes out and boldly says that. That's what Jesus says. Enter by the narrow gate. Then he goes on and he describes the wide gate. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. Then 14, he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. And really what I believe he's saying here or summarizing is there is a philosophy of life that I want the disciples who make disciples to live by. And I just, you know this, this is not popular today. And God has not called us to be popular, but to be faithful. And this is simply not popular. What are some of the philosophies of today? I spent some time, I even asked Dana, Get help. what are some philosophies? I wrote some down, maybe... You're sitting there thinking of some. Maybe these will all, here's a couple. All roads lead to the same place. Another philosophy. You do you. Or you be you. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Or if you were like 80s and sex, drug, and rock and roll. Those are philosophies of life. YOLO. That's old school, isn't it? You only live once. Um, my feelings equal my truth. Do whatever makes you happy. Truth is relative. Oh, there's a good one. Life is all about the journey, not the destination. True story. Went to the, went to the fair. Let me put it this way. We tried to go to the fair. It was Sunday. It was the last day of the fair several years ago. Okay. Sunday's very busy for me and our, our family's schedule, but man, we hadn't been to the fair. We wanted to go to the fair. It's a tradition. I, don't ask why, okay? It just, it just is. There's some things we like to eat there and go there and experience, and so we just said, okay, we're going to the fair. We got life group at five. We're going to the fair. Church is over. Let's go. We get in the car. I want to let you know something. We were in the car for three hours, and we never made it to the fair, okay? We turned around, and we came home. Kids were really upset, and I just looked at them, and I said, life is about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> it's all about making memories. <laughs> I just dare you right now to get in the car and drive to Disney World and say, no, we're not going. It's just about the journey. 
Here's, here's what our text is saying. Jesus is giving us a view of life, and so he goes like this. Hey, I've got, a, I've got there's two gates right now I want you to talk about. First, there is, a, there is a wide gate, and there's a narrow gate. He comes out first and foremost, and you know that he says, I want you to enter through the narrow gate. I want you to go that way. And then he stops, and he goes, and he breaks down the wide gate. It's wide. It's easy. It leads to destruction, and many are going to go this way. This gate it's large, it's attractive, it's well-traveled, it's popular, it's, it's well-known, it's open-minded, it's not restrictive. It's anything goes, it's inclusive. And you can go right, you can go left, or you can stay in the middle. It doesn't matter because it all ends in the same place. And that's the wide. And it's not a new way. It's not a new way. You can even trace this way back to Adam and Eve in the garden where sin entered the world. And it's like, no, I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. And so what happens when you choose this world, please? I, what happens when you choose this way? Hell is a real place. And when we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we will perish in a place called hell. It is eternal punishment. It is a real place. And Jesus jumps out and he says, Enter through the narrow gate. I don't want you to go the other way. My desire is to have a relationship with you. You were made to serve. You were made to have a relationship with me. I have done everything possible. I've given you everything you need. You're not down here without your suitcase. I've given you everything you need to live the life of a disciple that I'm calling you to live. I've given you everything. It's like, I don't want you to go down this wide gate. Don't get distracted. Don't water down the absolute truth of what he is saying. So the narrow gate, we enter through this gate. Why he says this, even in the midst, it says it's hard but you know what he also says? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to go this way. First Peter talks about the unbelievable suffering that's going to take place for those who call themselves believers. Jesus says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's not easy. But here is the beautiful thing. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk through situations that don't make us happy, but we can walk through those situations because of the Holy Spirit and be joyful because of what he does in us and overwhelms us with that love that's talked about in verse 11. It's not a popular way. You know, if you're in high school, there's not a lot of people that are saying, you know what, the narrow way, that's the way I want to go. Students, life is the narrow way because Jesus is the narrow way. Not narrow in its, in its offer, narrow in its acceptance. And I would beg you students to not allow you to miss out on this absolute truth Many times today, our empathy comes up here and our truth, gospel truth comes down here. We can have empathy and compassion and gospel truth that declares that Jesus is the only way. 
That's what the scripture teaches. I want you to fight for that, all of us. Now, this illustration that I'm going to use to give to you, I, I remember doing, remember the marathon that we did? Okay, so we served during the marathon, uh, March the 20th of this year. We, 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 we didn't have church. We, we, the church left the building. We went out there and we served. We had great music on a great playlist and, and, and we had music and we had salty drinks and mustard to give out to runners at the marathon. It was right at the corner of our property and, and there were people that were running down. There was a mass of people that were coming down and the, they didn't know which way to go. The marathoners were supposed to, if you're looking at the runners coming at you, the marathoners were supposed to go this way and the half marathoners were supposed to go this way. And all of a sudden, there's just this mass of people and we're trying to say, marathon this way, half marathon this way. And so finally they made a sign and I got the sign and I'm standing here with the sign and it's like, marathon that way, uh, half marathon this way. And it was like people were coming down and you saw this mass of people going this way and mass of people going this way. And so therefore, all of the elect are marathon runners. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What I'm trying to tell you is that the, the visual illustration of seeing people come down and the masses of people going one way or the another just... It, it, There? Okay. There we go. I don't want you to miss our, what our text is saying. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear me very clear about the narrow way and the wide way. I want you to, I want to ask you right now, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And if you're unsure and you say no, then I'm going to ask you another question. What is holding you back? One of my favorite stories, testimonies, is that of Ronnie Lau, who served in a church as in his mid-30s and came to understand that he did not have a personal relationship with King Jesus and on step number seven at his house, he's paused, got down, and he prayed and asked God to save his soul. And I need you to know he did. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. And it is really important for us to be disciples who are making disciples but it is very important that we admit that Jesus is the king. That we are sinners and can only be saved by him. God has given us a gift and that is his son. When does the gift become ours? 
not when it is given to us. It is ours when we accept it. And I need you to hear me very clearly right now. I want you to enter in the narrow gate because the narrow gate is a person and his name is Jesus. He is the only way. Whether you're visiting with us, whether you're a member of this church for a long time, maybe you've been a member of a church for a long time, but I don't, we don't want you to be religious. We want you to have a relationship. And there is an invitation by a great God that he's saying, nobody's ever going to love you the way that I love you, and no one is ever going to provide for you everything that you need. I'm going to give you good gifts if you ask. The greatest gift that he can give you is a relationship with him. So what does he do as he finishes up here? He goes and he says, hey, I need you to know there's a way of life. People are the mission that's fueled by my love. And he says, there's a view of life. That view of life is basically said, enter by the narrow gate. Or said another way that John says it is, I'm the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And I would just sit there and ask you, really, three, three questions as we conclude. Ben, you can come out. Here's three questions. Number one, are you saved? Number two, are you serving others the way God has served you? well, I'm not going to forgive them because they made me mad or I'm not going to show them encouragement because they, they don't, and blah, blah, blah. It keeps going on and on and on. So are we serving others the way that God has served us? And then lastly, what needs to change? What needs to change? I'm trusting the Holy Spirit of God will show you exactly what needs to change. And if you're here today and you don't know him as your savior, I would ask you while we stand and see, just say this, God, I'm a sinner and I want you to save me. And he will. The second thing, if you, if you do that, I would love for you to tell one of us about that. We'd love to walk with you for what it means to grow in the love, the grace, and the beauty of the God we serve. I love you guys. Let us, let us live this way. And let us have this view, not in a mean, condemning way, but in a loving way. Because the Bible is very clear. Jesus is the narrow gate. He is that way. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the privilege that we have to open up the word and to teach. God, I'm coming to you right now and I trust you through the power of your Holy Spirit to just move in such a way that you know all the needs in this room. Lord, for those that do not have a relationship with you, I'm asking you to save them. I pray that you will overcome their questions and I pray that you will overcome them with your love. For those that do have a relationship with you, I'm praying that all of us would 
would have this view of life of serving other people, that, that, that we would live this way and serve other people, and that we would have a view that you are truly the only way. And that's the way you want us to live. So God, I, I love you and I thank you for the song that we're getting ready to see. The words on the screen, the, 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 the heart that behind these songs, the words that were put together for us to sing and to declare, may you be glorified. We love you and we are grateful for the privilege of worshiping you this weekend and especially this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.